0: And now it's time for the biggest bonanza in podcasting. With Dominic Stern and Nicholas Hodell,
1: this is the College Basketball Bonanza. Welcome everyone to this edition of the College Basketball Bonanza. Happy to have you alongside myself, Nicholas Hodell and Dominic Stern, and this is a fantastic Fantastic Sunday for us. Not necessarily on place Radio today, but we are enjoying a bit of a break in our classes, which, you know, I think both of us could tell comparing last year to this year already, it's been so valuable already in just the weekend part of this break.
0: Yeah, it's been a long semester for, or not even semester, that's how long it's felt. It's been a long quarter uh, compared freshman year. We're not really like doing too much. And then our sophomore year was... Filled with COVID protocols, so weren't able re- to really do a ton of journals and stuff. But then this semester, uh, finally getting back into it with some tough classes. Uh, it's been a long ride, but you and I, we're both becoming better journalists. We're both doing what we love. So it's a good problem to have. But this break, I mean, we're only one day into the break. Uh, Saturday was awesome. Just sat on my couch and just watched sports with no responsibility for the first time in a long time. So that felt really good. And now, now I have some responsibility here, ready to talk about the Big East.
1: Yes, and of course, this show is part of doing what we love, our fourth week of our 2021-22 preview series. And it is focusing on the Big East Conference, which we were talking a little bit before this recording, That is pretty much is Philanova and everybody else. So let's do the justification of talking about this Philanova team. All kinds of experience within this team, registered seniors galore, Including God, uh, Colin Gillespie, which is who is really someone that is probably going to win the biggest player of the year if he does his job well.
0: Yeah, he definitely could. Coming off an injury that ended his season last year, he wasn't able to play in the postseason. That didn't stop this Villanova team from advancing to the Sweet Sixteen because they have so much depth. And Coach Jay Wright, he's a top five coach in college basketball. Wherever you want to put him in that top five, I don't think there's going to be a lot of disagreements. Some people would say he's the best coach. Some people. May not be as high on him, but we all love Coach Wright. He gets the best out of his players, and that speaks a lot to what he's able to do. This team is losing Jeremiah Robinson Earl. He was one of the best players in the Big East last year. That's fine. They'll be able to overcome it because Villanova, they've done that ever since they won the national championship game in 2016. Just good players leave. Other good players come in. That's not going to be a problem. Gillespie, He's going to be their best guy. Average 14 points per game, three rebounds per game, and four and a half assists per game. He's that perfect point guard. And he's one of those experienced point guards that Coach Wright has just filtered in and out at Villanova. And Gillespie, a lot of people thought last year was going to be his final year, but he's coming back for one more. He's ready to ball. Jermaine Samuels, really good, small forward, six foot seven, can play in the post, can also shoot a little bit. 12 points per game, six and a half rebounds per game. Those are going to be their two big guys uh, in and out. And then Justin Moore is a great compliment to Gillespie on the outside. 13 points per game last year with four rebounds and three assists per game. So the, this team's got it all. They got some depth. Uh, multiple players on their bench were averaging a couple of points per game last year. Now with more experience underneath their belt, Trey Patterson and Eric Dixon, as freshmen, they're going to be getting some more playing time. And I think that they're going to exceed expectations. Villanova. Didn't have as great of a year as a lot of people were expecting. Uh, they were my national championship pick last year. They'd, it was very clear midway through the year that that was not going to happen, but they could easily get that same recognition to start this year, and I think this year they could definitely reach it.
1: And, and one of the things that Phil Miller did last year with Jeremiah Rawls knows that they did a lot more post up play and kind of decreased their pick-and-roll style of play, that will probably – get back more toward the pick-and-roll style uh, with guys like Gillespie and Justin Moore uh, in particular uh, in, back within this team. And the expectations for Philadelphia may also be high because the rest of this Big East Conference really is just a hodgepodge of different teams looking to go to the NCAA tournament. There's not necessarily a, a standout team that really can compete with ANOVA necessarily and give them toe-to-toe what they're looking for in the Big East standings. Uh, maybe the closest team that might be able to do something here is UConn uh, behind uh, R.J. Cole uh, in particular at the point. Um, now, if UConn in particular, a couple of different sophomores, Adama Sanogo and Andre Jackson, are going to have to really try and contribute some more. They're going to have to increase their numbers. And also, even I say Isaiah Whaley, the registered cheerer who averaged 8, eight a game last year or 6.2 rebounds per game, the point the scoring may have to go a little bit up as well but they also have a couple of decent bench pieces here at UConn Tyler Polly, Jalen Gaffney who can give you some good production off the bench so UConn will have a couple of solid bench pieces but if Andre Jackson can't do anything much I would not be too surprised if perhaps like Jalen Gaffney decide really takes his place as time goes on but UConn really they're, they're having to deal with the stinger of the end of last season uh the 4507. The uh, last five oh seven against Craig, the biggest Tournament, and then
0: the Rich Stabway Tournament game against Maryland. Yeah. Uh, there are some idiots in this world that picked UConn to go to the Final Four, and, man, were they disappointed when UConn didn't go to the Final Four. I would be one of those idiots. Uh, I loved this team last year, and part of that was because they had point guard James Booknight who could shoot, and he could just get the ball to the hoop. Like, he he was elite at driving, but unfortunately uh, he had to battle some injuries last year, along with former four-star recruit, a cook, a cook. We'll see if he can take a step up this year. He's more expected to have a bench role on this team, but they have some experience on this team. RJ Cole redshirt senior played some good college basketball Tyrese Martin. He averaged 10 points per game and seven and a half rebounds per game as a guard. That's something you'd definitely like to see. Isaiah Whaley and Adama Sinogo. They can put the ball in the hoop a little bit and they can also grab some rebounds. So this team has some talent, but it's a lot of non-athletic big man. So it's going to be up to Hurley to get them in positions to be able to get the ball in space. So that way they can, they don't have to like go one-on-one where that this team doesn't thrive in that. It's going to be a lot of drawn up plays and they're going to have to execute them for UConn because there's not a lot of athleticism on this UConn team the way that James Booknight brought this team last year. So uh, concerned about UConn, they should be a tournament team, but I don't really think they're that much more than that.
1: The interesting thing about Booknight is that his impact was even more pronounced on the defensive end than the offensive end. Uh, just looking at some of the different numbers between when he was on the floor and when he was off the floor, UConn allowed uh, more than a tenth of a point per possession more when he was off the floor than on and more than two and a half percent, an effective field goal percentage more when Bone Night was off than when he was on. So that is going to have to be very, very intriguing to see what ends up happening there. Uh, perhaps even an, another note um, offensively with Bone Night on the floor compared to off the floor. The lineup with Bone on the floor had an offensive rebound percentage of 40.3 percent. That dropped to 33.7 percent when he was off. So, so, so a few of the numbers that really t- tell the story of just how impactful Boatnight was, at least in part uh, for this UConn team. But Isaiah Whaley and Dallas Sonogo, UConn with those two guys really helped uh, the Huskies finish 10th nationally in block rate as a team. So, that is going to be very, very good for them in the interior. Uh, But, yes, it is going to be a very big challenge replacing Chase Bona and R.J. Cole is going to have to be the guy that steps in there and provides the experience necessary to be a Big East caliber point guard, perhaps even all conference quality Big East point guard being required to really get some of that impact there. To move on now to a team called Satan Hall, who is no longer in Sandro's world, but they do have plenty of experience and plenty of transfers here in this team. Jared Rowan, Miles Carroll, the two big returners from last year's team. And they also have a nice little Syracuse transfer that could perhaps take the point in Kadari Richmond.
0: Yeah, this team, it doesn't have the two-star players they've had the last two times. They've taken the floor in college basketball with Miles Powell. And then you mentioned it, Sandro Shafili. Uh He was a baller. He could shoot. He could get to the hoop. He could rebound. He could post up because he was that big and he was that strong. He was a tremendous player. They also have seven-foot-two center Ike Obiagu. He was pretty solid for them in the small role that he played. We'll see if he plays a bigger role with them this time around. But this team is going to be solid. It's similar to UConn. It's a tournament team and probably nothing more than that. But uh, Seton Hall definitely has a little bit more margin for error. But you look at this team and Jameer Harris, their transfer from American University, who averaged 20 and a half points per game last year at six-foot-two. He's going to be the smallest guy they're going to be throwing out there. I'd look for this team to get a ton of rebounds, uh, crash the boards on offense, and really limit the opponent's chances for second chance points. And if they're able to do that, I think that's going to create a nice recipe for winning. And Sean Hall could be back in the NCAA tournament.
1: And the two big chances for Seton Hall, Yetna and Richmond, who are probably end up getting a lot of time, uh, that's where the defensive improvements really come to this team. And it's something that is very, very critical to this team as well looking at some of the numbers last year without Sandro. And there was a big, big difference. Now, a very small sample size, and he was off the floor compared to when he was on the floor, uh, but just a massive drop in pretty much every statistic um, for St. Juan when Sandro was not on the floor. So that, so dealing without him is going to be critical to this team. And and I think that, um, Yetna and, the center here can get to get the job done for Satan Hall, it is going to be about whether they're going to be productive together uh, to replace the production and they're going to be losing that's going to be a big big challenge but Kaderi Richmond is a guy that you know some people are, are saying could be the newcomer of the year uh, in the Big East conference so that'll be very interesting to see if Satan Hall can tap into his potential and really get things going. Let's move on to Xavier. And this Xavier program, they've been struggling in in the Coach Steele era compared to even the Chris Mack era. And and even going back to Thad Matta when he was at Xavier, not necessarily the best of times here for Xavier, but Zach Fremantle returning as a junior is going to be huge for this team and a couple of redshirt seniors in the guard spots. And Paul Scruggs and Nate Johnson uh, bringing back a lot of great production as well. And Jack Nunji from Iowa comes into the stage-year team as well.
0: And yeah, Nunji was a very solid player for Iowa, filling in minutes for when Luka Garza needed to go on the bench, when he'd often find himself in foul trouble. But what I look at the your roster, I look at the depth that they have. They have several players on the bench who averaged six, seven points per game last year. And I think that's something that could be very valuable for them. They also have Jerome Hunter transfer from Indiana. We're seeing a lot of Indiana transfers here in this conference. But I think this Xavier team, this could be their year to finally break through a little bit and get back to the NCAA tournament because Paul Scruggs is going to be one of the best players in this conference. Zach Fremantle, like you mentioned, him coming back, is huge. I really think that Xavier could be a team that exceeds expectations, find themselves uh, near the top of this conference. It's not, not at the level that Villanova's at, but definitely up near Phil Nova.
1: Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I think that this is probably Coach Steele's last year. Um, he's not going to get any more grace, really. Uh, if he fails to produce at this team, I think he's gone, quite frankly, because uh, the, the standard of the, uh, the state of the year program is much higher um, than what Coach Steele has been producing. So you really have to take that into consideration. But yeah, you mentioned the depth. Um, Guys at like Dwan Odom, Kai Kai Tandy, Adam Kunkel, all bringing back at least six and a half points per game of production from last year. The Indiana championship, Jerome Leonard, Ben Stanley, bringing back six points per game of production. It's just a lot of different guys that really brought a lot uh, to Xavier last year. So it's going to be a challenge to see where the minutes lie because uh, that is something that is going to be very intriguing as well, you know which guys are getting a lot of the best minutes. And I think keeping these guys happy is going to be quite a challenge. Uh, But really, Coach Steele uh, compared to Chris Mack is just, it's astounding in what Steele has not done defensively. Um, Just looking at some of the the defensive rebounding um, numbers and Chris Mack had Xavier um, near the top of the country. Uh, when it comes to that, um, the, you know, the the best mark he had was 14th. Average top 35 program in defensive rebounding. Chris Steele, he hasn't even broken the top 100 in the first three years uh, at defensive rebounding percentage. So that's going to be a very tough mountain for Steele to climb. It's going to have to be one that Saviour climbs if they are going to meet any sort of their expectations this year within the Big East Conference. So. That lack of provenness is going to be very interesting, but I think that Xavier, they do have the pieces to get over that hump. And I do think bringing a guy like Jack and someone that while, well, yes, you mentioned was solid, but completely not in the spotlight compared to guys like Luka Garza, he's going to have to be the guy that really gets Xavier to the defensive rebounding mark that they need to be at to compete in the Big East Conference. So that is going to be a very interesting thing to see what they can do with that. St. John's is one of the, the, uh, the final teams that perhaps the holsters and the pundits have been saying that could give uh, a nice solid upper half big East finish. And when you look at guys like Posh Alexander and Julian Champagny, it's easy to see why they bring those two to the table, guys that prove that they can be stars of the Big East Conference. And Champagny, quite frankly, is already there. And then a lot of different transfers here. Uh, you got Monty's uh, Mathis from Rutgers. Uh, Aaron really from Purdue from the Big Ten Conference, and then Tariq Coburn, Jules Juliano, and Steph Smith from some lesser conferences who make the jump up to the Big East Conference.
0: Yeah, I really like this Rutgers team, uh, Rutgers, St. John's. Uh, I think that St. John's is definitely going to be a team that's not in that top four the first teams that we talked about that I think can slide up in there. And I think that's in part because they have the best score in this conference returning. That's Julian Champagny. He averaged 20 points per game and seven and a half rebounds per game. That's really good. And six foot eight you play outside. He can also play inside. He brings a lot of versatility to this team. But Posh Alexander, he runs the point. He's a short point guard at six foot tall, but he plays hard on the offensive and defense end of the floor. He averaged two and a half steals per game to go along with his 11 points per game and four assists per game. He's really good. It's part of the reason why. St. John's plays at such a fast tempo because he is so quick to get up and down the floor. And also he shortens opposing teams' uh, offensive possessions because he'll just take the ball away from them. I think that Posh Alexander is a really fun player to watch. And a lot of people don't know his name, but they definitely should. And they will this year once they see him play a little bit more. Some of their transfers, uh, they're coming from smaller conferences like Tariq Coburn from Hofstra. He averaged 15 points per game. Joel Soriano at Fordham, the big man, averaged 10 points per game and nine rebounds per game. We'll see how that carries over into the Big East, especially when you play teams like UConn that have big men all over the floor. You face Kalk Brenner of Creighton. You're going to face some really good big men here. And then Steph Smith from Vermont averaged 13 points per game to go along with two uh, power conference transfers or Big Ten transfers, actually, and Aaron Wheeler from Purdue. And Montez Mathis from Rutgers. I think that St. John's is going to exceed expectations for people. Don't be surprised that they're up at the same level as UConn.
1: Yeah, and, and quite frankly, we're really putting together a top five in this conference, just looking at the five teams we've discussed. Between you have like you have your photos in the world, UConn projects to be very solid. Then after that, it's just kind of like, where do you put these teams? Because it is very difficult to really separate these guys, these teams. But when you have guys like Julian Champagny, who can be an X-factor, and then pause Alexander, who, if you focus on Champagny too much, he's going to kill you as well. It would not be surprising to me if St. John's made at least a little bit of a push uh, to try and get into the upper echelons of this Big East Conference. They may not get there. Phil Noah will probably end up being too strong for pretty everyone in this Big East Conference, quite frankly. I would not be shocked, though, if St. John's gave Phil Noll a bit of a hard time. Within games. I think that Alexander and Champagne have those abilities to be able to do that. And then then you mentioned um, Montes Mathis and Aaron Wheeler both did, you know, Big Ten transfers. So they're going to bring in that Big Ten size and length that you're going to need in pretty much every power conference. And perhaps their athletic talent could be used very well within a much freer system um, that they bring in. And, and, again, it's going to come down to defense, really, for St. John's. I think that they are going to have the lineup necessary uh, to really get a lot of things done on the defensive end with some of the length and, and size that, the, that we have here of this team. Can they put that together to be a very solid defensive team? I think that's probably the biggest question here, uh, that if it all goes well on that end for St. John's, it really could end up being watch out. Uh, I, I think that this team can really make plenty of noise. And so another you know, major chance, we you mentioned, Steph Smith from Vermont, great shot maker himself, and Sharif Coburn, you know, he can, you know, give you that catch and shoot danger ability. And with Coburn in particular, we've seen that uh, over the course of time in his career that perhaps he's better with other threats in the team. And what better place for him to be than with with a team that has Champagne and Alexander there? So I think the pieces for St. John's are really lining up for what could end up being a banner year uh, in recent memory for this St. John's program. So we've gone through some of the teams that at least the pundits are expecting to be within the top five of the Big East Conference. But this conference is a lot more than that. And quite frankly, even the last several years, there's been a muddled mid-pack of teams that are just trying to, fight their way into that top half, top four or five, which typically the Big East Conference is enough for an NCAA tournament then. So our Bonanza ranked this week, of course it's our weekly ranking segment we will rank literally anything and everything. We are reducing to a top three in this, uh, this program, but we're ranking our top three teams who are most likely to outperform bottom half expectations, non-top five expectations. So I'm going to let you start off with your third most likely team to outperform expectations.
0: My number three team to outperform expectations. I'm going to go with the Georgetown Hoyas. Uh, they're coming in at the bottom of the polls early in the big, uh, and for, for the big East. And I think that when you look at it, this team, they have experience from last year when they went to the NCAA tournament. And, I think that experience could matter. You know, They didn't keep a ton of players from their team last year, like especially Caduce Wahab. We already talked about him going to Maryland. But they have a couple of players returning. Dante Harris, he averaged eight points per game and three rebounds and assists per game. Donald Carey averaged eight points per game, along with three rebounds as a guard. They also bring in two good transfers from lower levels. Trey King, Eastern Kentucky, he averaged 15 points per game and six rebounds per game. And Caden Rice at the Citadel, Averaged 17 and a half points per game. So they're bringing in some talent. They also have the top recruit in this conference in Amino Muhammad. A lot of people are expecting him to be a candidate for newcomer of the year in the Big East. And then there's also uh, they have the third recruiting class in this conference. So I think that Georgetown, while they're probably not going to be up near the top of this conference, they're going to be, you know, not at the bottom at like 10th where they're projected to be. I could see him in like 7th or 8th.
1: Yeah, and Georgetown does have uh, some concerns as well, losing, losing Kadush Wahab to Maryland. But if you just look at those pieces, and there are certain pieces, some decent amount of pieces there. Uh, my number three is Providence. And you mentioned experience with Georgetown. They, Providence has that on overload, uh, including one of the best centers in this entire conference, and Nate Watson, hey, Watson. senior, averaged, averaged nearly 17 points per game last year. Indiana Chancellor Al Durham provides even more experience and producing over 11 points per game in the Big Ten last year. Um, Where this team could potentially use improvement um, is with giving guys like Jared Bidem and A.J. Reeves. Those guys, particularly Biden averaging just under six points per game last year. That's going to have to go up. He may struggle compared to so many other point guards in the Big East Conference. Where Providence really struggled last year, a couple of different percentage marks, forced turnover percent and steal rate. Uh, their steal rate when they were for the last um, couple of years before within the top 50, they declined all the way down to outside the top 200 nationally at 8.3% and they um, reduced down even worse to the 4.0% to 16.8% nearly in the top 300 nationally, nearly at 293rd. Um, So they are really going to have to really struggle um, get back up to par there, but I think the experience is there. Um, Nate Watson's going to have to be a guy that just produces out of his mind um, for this team, Uh, and he is going to have to really get his rebound numbers up, though, for that to happen. Um, In past years, he's kind of rebounded a bit more like a guard, even though he has just over six and a half rebounds per game last year. Perhaps that may have to go up, or you do a nice little between Watson and, and, and Noah Horstler who will probably also have to increase his numbers for expectations to really be met um, or, or even exceeded within this point. So yes, it does seem like a middle of the fact team but there's a lot of experience here and experience really helps within college basketball. And if you don't, if you don't trust me, I just ask almost any national championship team they'll be able to tell you the exact same thing. Let's go to your number two.
0: Yeah, I was going to go with Providence here at number two. And Nate Watson, he's the best big man in this conference, averaging 17 points per game last year, as well as six and a half rebounds per game. They don't have David Duke this year. He was a tremendous point guard for them. But bringing a transfer Alderm from Indiana, I think it's going to help him out. And It's going to help out Jared Bynum, uh, the five foot ten point guard. They're expecting big things from him. Outside of that, they just have you know, players who have been there before. Uh, their roster this year has four seniors, three of which are Red Shirts, and then Red Shirt Junior and Jared Bynum. So, Ed Cooley, he's going to be able to trust his players and knowing what they're going to want to be able to do. I I agree with you. Providence is going to exceed expectations here.
1: My number two is Creighton. Now, Creighton, not necessarily rich of the experienced side of things, but they bring in all kinds of freshmen, and in particular, four studs within their up in their incoming freshman class, Trey Alexander, Mason Miller, Ryan Nevard, and Arthur Kaluma. And quite frankly, one of those guys is going to be a contender for Newcomer of the Year because I think it's just inevitable that one of those players is going to really stand out. And even their other guard who tours ACL last year and couldn't play a lot of time, Rati androni Casvili. Someone who's really going to be able to stand out, perhaps, and get a starting role with all of those freshmen having to provide big minutes, um, whether it's a sixth or a seventh man situation for a lot of those particular players. So those freshmen are very key in Creighton trying to push their way out of projections that have been around seventh or eighth place in this conference and try to push up toward those top five. I do think it's inevitable, though, that one of them is going to be able to stand out uh, for this team. You also have a D2 transfer here in Ryan Hawkins who averaged over 22.5 points per game and nearly nine rebounds per game last year. Uh, But uh, those freshmen are going to play a big role. And some of these other players, like Sheree Mitchell, Alex Ocato, and Ryan Kalkrenner, they're going to have to produce. Uh, So I don't think every single one of those points that Creighton needs is going to happen. But watch out for Crane's freshmen when they got a lot of them, and they're all very, very talented.
0: Yeah, they're going to need a lot of players to step up. They did not make my top five here, but they did have, according to 24-7 Sports, the top recruiting class in this conference. So I could definitely see it coming. My top team to exceed expectations, I probably assume that you have the same one here. It's going to be Butler. They're returning all four, all four, all five starters from last year's team, and every single one of them averaged double-digit points. Butler, they struggled a lot last year. But I think that when you return everyone, you're going to know what you want to do and you're going to want to know how to execute everything that you can do. And especially with a lot of these teams having a lot of players leaving the conference. We already talked about it. Creighton was one of the best teams in this conference last year. Lost a lot of players. UConn, one of the best teams in this conference. Lost their best player. Seton Hall lost Mamukai Shafili. So I think you're looking at it. And there's a lot of teams that are going to be dropping down in terms of the standings when Butler is a great chance to come and exceed expectations. They have some of the best players in this conference, Bryce Nizzi. He's going to be really good. Redshirt senior six foot seven averaged 11 points per game and seven rebounds per game. Uh, Bryce Golden as well. There are other big men, six foot nine senior. He averaged 10 points per game last year. And then Chuck Norris was their leading scorer last year uh, or Chuck Norris, Chuck Harris. I was, I was about to say like, what a name, Chuck Norris, but then I <laughs> reread my notes and that's not Chuck Norris. That's Chuck Harris. Uh, six foot two, averaged 12, well, 13 points per game last year uh, as a six foot two guard. So, and he was a freshman last year. So you're going to see him expand on what he grew on last year. Then also Ty Grochet, Eastern Michigan transfer. He averaged 15 points per game, along with seven rebounds per game. It's going to be some solid big man depth for Butler. Uh, don't be surprised if the Bulldogs are uh, are howling on the doors of an NCAA tournament bid after struggling hard last year.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Butler 91.9% of its minutes returns this year, and among power conference teams, only UCLA can boast more uh, than that, and only 12 programs in the entire country uh, can say they have more returning minutes. Um, percentage-wise than Butler, but the biggest returning here is going to be Aaron Thompson for this team. When he missed 11 games last year of injuries, Butler went 4-7 um, with, without him, and that included a loss to Southern Illinois at home. And what what really happened with Aaron Thompson out was that they got a chance to see a lot of players that are going to have to be key to this year's team, including, like you mentioned, Chuck Harris and also Miles Tate. Uh, and and, and, and Harris, in particular, did, did really, really well uh, for this Butler team. But every single player within a projected starting five of for this Butler team, at least according to three-man weave, is returning over 10 points per game of production. So that right there is pruned production. You can put them in. They're going to be fine biggie situations. Miles T at the moment, probably projected to be more of a six-man. Bo Hodge would probably be right there. As well, and they prove they can produce really well uh, as well. So there's a lot of biggies proven production here. And you look at this team, they have all kinds of players here 15 scholarship players are gonna be on the roster. Uh, Maybe not all of them get in in, and situations off the bench, uh, but you're gonna have a lot of key players here, this team that maybe one or two of them off the bench will end up being. Six, seventh 7th men who are going to be very critical to this Butler team. All in all, experience does matter, and Butler may have the experience there to make something happen. So be on the lookout for Butler, because those Bulldogs and Eagle Fieldhouse are definitely going to be a very interesting team to watch over the course of time within the Big East Conference. So that takes care of our shortened Bonanza rank for this week's Preview of the Big East Conference. Now we will get into our Shining Diamonds. It is our preseason award segment, which over the course of time will turn into our weekly award segment in season. Uh, Of course, our typical awards are New code of the Year, Surprise, Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, and Player of the Year. And you know what? Since I keep forgetting about Player of the Year, every time we're going to start hitting our remarks immediately and go straight to that award, Player of the Year dog.
0: It's going to be St. John's forward, Julian Champagny. Averaged 20 points per game last year, seven and a half rebounds per game. He's the best scorer in this conference. And part of the reason he didn't win the award last year is because he wasn't that dominant scorer on a team that was making the NCAA tournament. When St. John's makes the NCAA tournament this year, and I think St. John's exceeds expectations, I think Julian Champagny will receive the honors that he deserves.
1: And I would not be surprised if that was as, as well. I went with college last week, just taking into account that you know, if Phil Nola is going to get to their expectation of being a top team in this country, it's going to have to be Colin Gillespie that's really getting a lot of production in. So, would not be shocked if Gillespie ended up winning it. There's, I mean, uh, at least in the front court as well, for Nola, Jermaine Samuels, the team really steps it up this year. He could also be in that conversation as well. Uh, but I'm going with Colin Gillespie here. I think he's probably the best guard that this conference has to offer. And in a conference in which there are a bunch of talented guards. Uh, As well, a bunch of decent amount of talented fours, but there are a a really good amount of talented guards in this conference as well. Very balanced conference as far as you know, guards that are really good, fours that are really good. I think these last people probably end up rising above them all and taking that job done. Let's go to surprise player of the year next. Someone that could be due for a breakout year this year.
0: So I'm going to go with the cook a cook from UConn. Hasn't really done anything his first two years, but that's just because he's been hurt. Four-star recruit, he's long. He can play really good defense. He can shoot the ball. He can also play down low and grab some rebounds. Cook a cook had a lot of headlines coming in his freshman year when he was highlighting one of Hurley's first recruiting classes. He hasn't really done much with it, and that's not really his fault. But I think a cook a cook could be someone who finally steps up and uh, gets some more valuable minutes now that he's healthy.
1: I want to get in with another UConn player, someone that's kind of um, struggling to get their feet off the water, at least with limited minutes last year. That's Andre Jackson of UConn. He's going to be asked to step into a much bigger role as a sophomore, perhaps even a starting role for this UConn team. And his defending ability is going to be very, very good. Perhaps if he's already at lockdown defending ability as a sophomore, watch out for him because he is going to be very, very dangerous um, as a defender. And a lot of the different things that UConn needs to replace is that defending ability. And if Andre Jackson can just really step it up, we're talking last year, even with some of the limited minutes that he to asked, you know, just in the three points per game, just in a three rebounds a game, you know, it's kind of like those freshman numbers for someone that didn't get a ton of minutes. He's going to be asked to really step up. And I think Andre Jackson can absolutely do it and be one of the best sophomores within the entire Big East Conference. We'll see if he's able to put up, go up to the task, but Andre Jackson's got to be a very key piece to this UConn team, and he's really going to have to shine uh, for the Huskies this year. Let's go to Newcomer of the Year, Dom.
0: My Newcomer of the Year is going to be Al Durham, IU transfer coming into Providence, had very solid career over in the Big Ten, and he's going to transition that over into the Big East, very similar level of playing style. Providence, which is not returning a ton of production in the backcourt, I think Durham's going to take advantage of that. He's going to average somewhere around 13 points per game, and he's going to be one of the best guards in this conference.
1: I think we're in the cypher picks here for this award, the one I'm going with is, is Kedari Richmond for St. Paul, coming in from Syracuse. And Richmond in particular, 13th nationally in steal rate individually. Uh, so he will have to um, improve going from the Syracuse zone to a man-to-man. Uh, that'll be a challenge for him over the course of time uh, but he can be very very disruptive and I think that's going to be a very key piece um, for someone that is going to be I believe one of the better guards in this conference uh, going right up there with guys like Posh Alexander he's going to be asked to do that, uh, he'll be asked to deal with those tough assignments, guys like Gillespie, Saviors, Paul Scruggs who are really high on St. John's, Posh Alexander, Butler's, Butler's Chuck Harris he will probably be asked to defend almost every single one of those players. And then so he's going to have to really be that defensive forward. I think he's able to do it. I also think that any one of the Creighton freshmen, should they step up, they're going to be a big nominee for this award. And, with this, with, and we, I mentioned the Creighton freshmen earlier, just how highly lauded they are. Every single one of the program's best five recruits in their program are debuting this year. That is something to really keep an eye on. Uh, of course, um, guys like uh, De Casdelli, obviously with the ACL injury, couldn't get out on the floor last year for Creighton, but he's gonna be probably the most likely of the freshman for Creighton. That perhaps could step into a new corner of the year honor role. Uh, but guys like Kaluma, Nebhardt, Alexander Miller, depending on how the minutes are shaped out for the freshman class, uh, they're all going to be up there, I think, as long as they get the job done, as long as they get the minutes necessary to prove themselves within their respective roles. And that's going to be a tough job for Craig McDermott uh, to manage those freshmen. But Creighton, they may not be the team this year that they have been in the past. But if all these freshmen keep growing over the course of time, Craig's going to be a team to really be watching out for. But Androni Kacinelli's probably most likely at the freshman this year for Newcomer of the Year, but would not be shocked if any of them, if they broke out right up there in the conversation uh, for that award. Finally, Coach of the Year, Dom.
0: I'm just going to go with Jay Wright. I think that Villanova's going to blow everyone out of the water here, and Jay Wright's going to get recognized as Coach of the Year. I wouldn't be surprised if this team only loses one or two games throughout the year, and when that happens, it's going to be hard to give this award to anyone else.
1: I'm going with Mike Anderson uh, for St. John's. Um, it, it would be a back-to-back for him if he's able to get the job done in St. John's this year, but I, I'm just very high on his St. John's team uh, in general, and obviously he's going to have a nice little job in his hands to manage the, tr- the transfers coming in, but I think what he's done is that he's gotten guys that fit his system very, very well. And I think that they're all going to be very solid uh, for the St. John's team. And ultimately, what that's going to end up with, I believe, is a very successful St. John's team who's going to push up to the upper echelons. Um, and that's going to be partly on, on, on Mike Anderson to really get that job done. He's got the talent. Now, what can he do? And perhaps one other player that I don't even think we mentioned, David, uh, you did, uh, Dylan Adai of uh, the sophomore that – May end up being a seventh or eighth man on this team. yet produced six and a half points per game last year off the bench. He could be someone who's right up there with guys like Steph Smith, and bringing in quality production off the bench. You could bring in and really get good good production out of from the bench. So I would not be shocked if he also produces well for the St. John's team. And all in all, I think it's going to end up being a a Mike Anderson Coach of the Year campaign. Um, it's just as long as he's able to get this team where he where it needs to be, which it probably needs to be top five. Any further than that, I think it's going to be a fantastic year uh, for St. John's. So let's move on now to, of course, the business end of our program. That is our preseason top five uh, for the Big East Conference. I'm going to start with number five. I'm going to go with Xavier. Uh, It's a very, very good roster uh, that is produced, but of course, any of the rosters within the top five teams in this conference, quite frankly, are just that. They are very, very good rosters. Um, part of my concerns for this for this Xavier team that leads me at number five um, are some of the defensive rebounding rep, uh, reputations that Steve, Coach Teal has. done with and that, quite frankly, is not good. I will say this out in advance, very, very hard to judge three, four, and five in this Big East Conference and where you slot them in. You could really go any other way. I'm curious to see where you put your number five team at.
0: My number five team is actually Butler. I think that this team is going to take a big step forward from where they were last year, and that's because they're returning everyone. And I think the Bulldogs, they could definitely sneak up in this top five.
1: Let's move on to number four. That's not even a bad shot of the amount of experience that Butler is uh, bringing in this team. St. Hall for me is my number four. You got the, you got two guys that have proved themselves in the Big East already into the picture, uh, that being Miles Kale. And Jared Roden, Roden, one of the better players in the Big East Conference. We'll see if if, uh, Kale can get up there. Kaderi Richmond also is going to be a very, very key piece. And he's already getting, uh, according to Three Man Weave, second team honors uh, preseason in the the Big East Conference as a whole. He was Three Man Weave's Big East the Year preseason. And he's going to be a big, big part of this team. But we also mentioned guys like Jamil Harris. Of the American transfer, that um, he can really, he did really well with American. Can he bring that same type of production to the Big East Conference? That's yet to be seen. Uh, but Bryce Aiken, Tyree Sand, will be two players that'll be able to produce very, very well off the bench. And I think it's going to be a Satan Hall team that they are going to be, they they all get some solid wins over the course of time against some of their other top five uh, comrades. Ultimately, though, I think they're just going to end up being number four.
0: I have Xavier here at number four. I think Fremantle and Scruggs create one of the best uh, big man, small man duos, even though calling Scruggs at six foot five, a small man is definitely incorrect, but guard forward duos. I, I think that Xavier is going to be back in the NCAA tournament this year. And I think that it starts with these guys. I'm big on Xavier this year.
1: I've been teasing all show just how high I am on St. John's and I have them right here at the number three position. Uh, Alexander and Shannon are two players that I firmly expect uh, to get all conference honorees at some point. Shannon Penny will be be more than likely in the first team level. Alexander will be competing very hard with guys like Kadiri, Richmond, and Paul Scruggs if he wants to slide his way into the first team. The transit that that Coach Mike Anderson has brought in, they are great. Uh, The Big Ten transit of Montes, Mathis, Aaron Wheeler, they both bring in size and length that's required from the Big Ten. I think that's going to translate really, really well, um, to the big East as well in this picture. Um, and you'll have the Fordham transfer, Joel Soliano, um, who was fantastic in rebounding, uh, last year, 16th and 29th, in offensive and defensive rebounding rate respectively. Uh, his size is going to really be a problem, uh, for teams at this level, even in the big East, uh, and, and just the, uh, recruiting that he's done for the, the mid-major transfers from Monshaw Smith, who I mentioned earlier, uh, Hospice Tariq Over, who I mentioned earlier is best when playing with other players who provide really good threats. And guess what? Julian Champagne and Posh Alexander. Those are two names you're going to hear a lot on any St. John's telecast. And those two guys are going to lead St. John's to a very good position at Big East. And the mid-major transfers are also going to be a very, very big part of a very successful St. John's campaign.
0: Uh, The college basketball Bonanza stands the St. John's team because I too have them at the number three team in my big East preseason poll. I I love this team. I mean, I picked Champagny to be player of the year in this conference because I think that he's going to once again, put up 20 points per game and seven and a half rebounds per game, but on a winning team and that winning team is going to finish third in this conference. That's because Posh Alexander and all those transfers that you just mentioned, they're going to perform well for this team and your pick. I I love it. I'm right there with you. I think St. John's gets in the top three. The differences uh, between our top five is that I had Butler and you had seen Hall in the top five, but I think that you could put any of these uh, four teams uh, any, any in this top three or this bottom three in the top five. Yeah.
1: And then that's really what I mentioned at the top of the assignment is that it was so difficult to really judge, you know, some of these different rosters because, they are. They're all very similar, and I, and I wouldn't be surprised, quite frankly, if the mid-pack beat each other up and we got filled over in the conference by a solid two or three games. I would not be two or, two or that.
0: three. You think it's only two or three? I'd be surprised if it's like four or five.
1: Woo. Well, let's get to our number two for first off before we basically make it official. Our number one uh, for me, UConn. Um, very, very good guards that they are bringing in here to this team. Uh, Andre Jackson, I think, is going to break out and be another very solid option for this UConn team as well. When you add uh, the fact that you have Sanogo and Whaley uh, up front, who are just very, very good at locking shots away. Tyler Polly, Jalen Gaffney, and you mentioned the cock as well. Um, very, very solid roster here built. And I, I, I think UConn, they're going to rise above all the other teams in that back Yeah,
0: I have UConn at number two as well. You better come prepared to be physical when you play UConn because they're going to bring it every single time. And if you don't match that physicality or you're not able to run right by them, you're not going to be able to beat UConn. They're going to be a fun team to watch just because they don't play the typical style of college basketball. Them at UNC, if you put them on the floor, made them play 20 times. I think that would be a boomer material for college basketball, but uh, UConn, they're going to be fun. We'll see if Dan Hurley can uh, get this UConn program or tournament win.
1: Yeah, man. And we'll, we'll, we'll see what UConn does also in the battle for Atlantis. That's going to be a big proving ground uh, for those UConn Huskies. And I think we're probably going to end up rooting for an Yukon UConn matchup down the road. I think that'd be fun to see. Um, the battle of the Hurleys, that'll be fun. Uh, and let's just make it official here our number one, Villanova. The roster's there. They have all, pretty much all the talent of the, of the world uh, with Jermaine Samuels and Colin Gillespie using their extra years. That's going to be very, very critical. Uh, for the Villanova Wildcats, and ultimately it's going to end up being another year in which Villanova, they get those key Big East Conference wins in which so many other programs simply cannot.
0: Yeah, Villanova, they're the pride of the Big East. They have been for quite some time now, and I think it's going to be taken to the extreme this year. You mentioned it. They just have the experience with the head coach that's been there with the depth that none of these other teams have, it's not going to be close. They're going to run through the big East this year. They were able to be the top team last year, but 11 and 4 uh, going 18 and 7 wasn't as good as a lot of people expected. I wouldn't be shocked if they only have one or two conference losses this year. They're going to be so good. It's going to be Colin Gillespie is going to carry this team.
1: Yeah. And that, then that's going to be a very interesting side of things to come for Villanova and the rest of this Big East Conference. Next week in the Good when we're back on Blaze Radio, get your SEC chance ready because that's exactly where we're going next week and the SEC the last few years has been a very fun basketball conference, so I'm sure it's going to be a very fun episode next week when we return to Blaze Radio but for now, that'll do it for the college basketball. That's Dominic Stern, I'm Nicholas Hodell. Have a very good rest of your week. We'll see you next week on Blaze Radio, Sunday night, 7 o'clock Arizona time on blazeyouronline.com and we preview the SEC.